0: Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, episode 304, Houston, We Have an Astronaut. I'm Gary Jordan, and I'll be your host today. On this podcast, we bring in the experts, scientists, engineers, astronauts, all to let you know what's going on in the world of human spaceflight. Laurel O'Hara was selected by NASA as an astronaut candidate in 2017. As a researcher exploring some of the most extreme and remote environments on planet Earth, and now a NASA astronaut, Laurel is looking forward to her very first mission on the International Space Station. Born right here in Houston, Texas, O'Hara graduated from Clements High School in Sugar Land, Texas in 2001. She earned a Bachelor of Science degree in Aerospace Engineering from the University of Kansas in Lawrence, Kansas, in 2005, and earned a Master of Science degree in Aeronautics and Astronautics from Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana, in 2009. Prior to joining NASA, her work focused on the engineering and operations of deep-ocean research scientific submersibles and robots. At the time of her selection in June 2017, O'Hara was a research engineer at Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution in Woods Hole, Massachusetts, where she spent eight years working on the engineering and operations of underwater vehicles such as the human-occupied research submersible Alvin and the remotely operated vehicle Jason. Her experience includes mechanical design and analysis, systems engineering, manned submersible testing and certification, and vehicle operations. She participated in 11 scientific research cruises aboard research vessels as a mechanical technician and data processor. From 2006 to 2007, she worked for Rocketplane in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, as a project engineer on the development of a suborbital space vehicle. O'Hara is set to fly on the Soyuz MS-24 mission to the International Space Station. This mission will be a crew of three, where she will be accompanied by two Russian cosmonauts launching from the Baikonur Cosmodrome Launch Site-31 in Kazakhstan. This will be O'Hara's first flight assignment of her astronaut career. She's scheduled to launch in September 2023. Now that's just skimming the surface. Let's dive even deeper into the ocean that is the life of NASA astronaut Laurel O'Hara. Enjoy.
1: 5 seconds Mark. Mission start. There she goes. we have a podcast.
0: Laurel O'Hara, thank you so much for coming on Houston River Podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Hey, very exciting. You're going to be launching to the International Space Station soon, and... Um, Uh, being there for for quite some time you know this I think what's what's exciting about about your background is you've Mm -hmm. you've had exposure to space for Mm -hmm. quite some time and it's just sort of been in your backyard and now now it's happening but you know I've it's I think it's really interesting growing up in Houston um, that that you just had this right here what was what was it like growing up and and just being around this area
1: yeah it was awesome and I think that's a large part of why I'm here today. Yeah. Um. My earliest memory of uh, going to NASA. I mean, I went. We would go come down to Johnson Space Center for field trips and just with my family all the time. But in second grade, um, I had the opportunity to fly to grow tomato seeds that had flown on space shuttle um, as part of a school project. And then I also got to do things like come down to Johnson Space Center for the space shuttle debriefs. Um, so my dad would bring me down here um, to. Space Center Houston when the crews would go over there and show pictures and talk about their missions. Um, so that was super awesome too. Awesome. Yeah. Like I remember meeting Eileen, Eileen Collins after one of her flights. And so those were all really kind of, you know, inspirational moments. And
0: inspirational, formative. Did it sort of, definitely. Ha- did you, you had that in your mind actually, as you were going to college and just thinking like, it was maybe in the back of your mind, like maybe, maybe I'll end up at NASA one day.
1: Well yeah. No, I think um my parents say that I the first time you know I started talking about being an astronaut when I was pretty young. Really? Like first grade, second grade. Um wow. so and I wanted to be like everything also when I was younger, but astronaut <laughs> kind of was at the top of the list all the way growing up.
0: Yeah, I mm-hmm. wanted to be movie director and a <laughs> pilot, a pilot movie director. I don't yeah. know, uh, but uh, yeah, it was it was like one of those things. Yeah, but uh-huh. but eventually you 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 got there, and and so that's the journey we're going to take. Houston, though, mm-hmm. I want to kind of g- lean on that just a little bit more, just because yes. because I think we talk when we talk about Houston, we talk about um, we talk about. The NASA Johnson Space Center, obviously, but there's there's more to it. What was life growing up in in here or just around wh- – yeah. what was childhood like? What were the things that you were doing, the people you were hanging out with?
1: Uh, yeah, so I started in – like my family lived in Missouri City. Uh, When I was born, Mm -hmm. and we lived there until I was around seven, and Mm. then moved to England for three years. Okay, Um, so we lived overseas for those three years, uh, which was kind of a glorious time in my childhood because we lived out in the country and our house just backed up into woods. Oh wow! So I spent a lot of time just kind of explore get like we had a lot of freedom there to explore the woods and go on hikes, and uh, my family took a lot of trips. We got to travel around Europe and England, Scotland and Ireland and places like that. So wow. That was like a pretty early experience that I think gave me a bit of wanderlust for the rest of my life. Interesting. Um, But then we moved back and we moved back to Sugarland and that's where I went to middle school and high school. Mm -hmm. Um and yeah, it was a pretty I'd say pretty typical suburban uh youth. Like I played soccer, I ran cross country and track, I did a lot of art. Um, those were kind of the main things I was interested in. Um, going into you know just through middle school and high school,
0: maybe not necessarily mm-hmm. in your backyard, but you do have you know Sam Houston National Forest and oh, different yeah. things where you can explore, right? So yeah, hopefully you never lost that sense of exploring that you had in in uh, the UK.
1: Oh no! Well, uh, so we actually so we lived on the edge of Sugarland, like you know this was. I don't know, 20 years ago now. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, it wasn't as big as it is now. So we still had a lot of woods okay, uh, to explore. Right in your around backyard. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Because
0: yeah. I think about the metropolitan that it is today, but uh, uh, very, very cool. Um, yeah.
1: I also, so the other, like in high school for my 16th birthday, my parents got me an introductory uh, flying lesson. So I started taking flying lessons um, in high school and got oh. my private pilot's license when I was 17. And so that kind of became my means of exploration in high school um, because I wasn't allowed to drive like I could only drive to school or work but I could go get an airplane and <laughs> like fly down the coast. <laughs> oh Somehow. that
0: is cool. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. So that was a really fun combination of just like science and adventure and um, freedom at that age. Yeah, and which mm-hmm.
0: I guess you locked onto, right? Because eventually well, when you when you go to um, when you go to college, you're, you're pursuing very – what I believe are adventurous things, mm-hmm. right? And so, so w- when, you ha- when you were flying in the air, when you were thinking about going to college, where you would go, what you were do- what you would do, what were some of those things that inspired you to pursue what you pursued?
1: Um, I was interested, like, when I was thinking about colleges and what I wanted to study, I was interested in a bunch of different things. Um, my dad was a geologist. Um, I was interested in going into a science-related field. Hmm. Um, I actually also applied and got into art school in Rhode Island. So no I way. did consider going to art school for a little bit as well. Um, but the experiences flying kind of made studying aerospace engineering a no-brainer for me. I was, like, pretty airplane crazy. It was
0: flying that directed you yeah. in that way. Interesting. Yeah, once I
1: started flying, I... Don't think I really looked at any other major.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. You started in Kansas. If yes. I so, so um, what what kind of gravitated you towards that uh, towards that school?
1: Um, initially I started looking at Kansas because I got a scholarship there, but then I went up and, uh, met with some of the professors in the aerospace engineering department and saw the labs and facilities that they had there. Um, like they had a shop out at the airport and it just seemed like there were a lot of opportunities there. Mm-hmm. And I had also never been really spent any time in the Midwest. So hmm. I was planning to go to university of Texas, but there was some appeal also, in just like going somewhere entirely new. Yeah. So just like a, a really beautiful town. Really mm-hmm. cool department, and so I decided to do it. And you hate hills. And I hate yeah, yeah. Hills yeah. just topography sucks. I need, I need, <laughs> I need flat. I yeah. need flat actually, wherever I go. Well, I'm joking because Kansas, like that part of Kansas, is actually like rolling hills. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. I just assume.
0: Oh <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well,
1: the, the the university is on a ridgeline line actually, so oh. you have like views in all directions. it's really Pretty. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I
0: just know. I know Kansas <laughs> yeah. is the flattest place, and I've been to it Hutch- it, Hutchinson. Um, oh yeah. I, yeah, it gets flat yeah. out yeah. in the western part. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so then you went to um, you continued your education. You went to Purdue. Mm-hmm. Uh, how what, what was that experience like?
1: Uh, well, so after Kansas, I actually went and worked for a year and a half. Oh, okay. In Oklahoma City, skip the beat. Um, at a startup company called Rocketplane. Yeah. Um, it was, and if you remember the X Prize, like yeah. this was a very. I was in college during the very early days of like the commercial space industry, mm-hmm. and so this was like X Prize, and you know, SpaceX was just getting started, and all of these these other companies, and so Rocketplane was one of those companies. So I went there for a year and a half, um, and worked as the project engineer for the rocket propulsion system. Okay, um, so I was responsible for integrating um, the subsystems into the aircraft. Basically, we we're building a business jet-sized aircraft to take people to the edge of space. All right. Um, And so in doing that job, I was a project manager, like I said, so kind of a little bit higher up, um, you know, working systems engineering and integration. And so I decided I wanted to go back to grad school to study rocket propulsion and more, you know, at a more fundamental level. And so that's what led me to Purdue.
0: It was. It's interesting, though, that right out of a bachelor's, you had such a, a big responsibility. Mm-hmm. Was it because? I was
1: a, yeah, small startup company. Small startup, So yeah. lots of opportunities. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was awesome.
0: <laughs> and it sort of catapulted you into realizing, okay, yeah, maybe I need to kind of go back and learn more about this, dive in mm-hmm. a little bit deeper. Because it yeah. seemed like maybe maybe it sold you. The, that this is sort of the direction you wanted to go.
1: Yeah, yeah. And my plan had always been to go back to grad school in some form or fashion. Oh, okay. I just wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to study. Mm. And so that was helpful Okay, in that regards.
0: After Purdue, what what where, where'd you go to next?
1: So, um, so I actually started at Purdue uh, working on a PhD, but I ended up getting a master's. And uh. that was um, after Purdue, I ended up at Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution. Okay, um, and that's probably a longer story, but in short, um, I was you know working at at Purdue, studying combustion and stability, um, and I had been sort of singular focus on aerospace and rocket propulsion kind of all the way through since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. And so um, my sister at the time was studying geology at Penn State, and her f- research was all. Um, out in the field. So she was like backpacking in Iceland, studying fault lines and things like that. Okay, And so I started to think, well, I've always wanted to be an explorer and be like doing field work and things like that. And the path that I was on wasn't really, I, I wasn't really headed down that path. And so I started just looking at other opportunities um, and I applied and got a job in Antarctica. And <laughs> I didn't end up going to Antarctica, but that is... The roundabout way of how I ended up at Woods Hole Oceanographic.
0: Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, that's it it can be a little daunting, I think, Mm -hmm. about my own, you know, education. And you spend years kind of refining your skills, but then to take what I think is like a left turn. Yeah. and just kind of go in a completely it it is sort of uh it is sort of a, sort of a thing something you have to really think about and sit with before mm-hmm. you actually commit to do I actually want to do this or you know I made this much progress so it must have been yeah you you must have been really sold by that idea of adventure yes okay yeah that was it. And what so Woods Hole Ocean Graphic allowed mm-hmm. you to do adventures. And you already mentioned Antarctica. Mm-hmm. That's definitely an adventure. What was that like?
1: I, well, I didn't end up going. That's the funny really? part of the story. O- yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so I chose – I applied to the job at Woods Holes um, because during my master's I'd had the opportunity to des- design and build and test hardware. And I really enjoyed that whole process of, like, coming up with an idea and um, developing the idea – and designing the hardware, you mm. know, building it, and then putting it together and testing it. So I kind of I just wanted more experience doing that. Got it. Because at Rocketplane, um, I had mostly done, I'd mostly done an out. Like I did some aerodynamics analysis and systems engineering as well. So I'd always kind of been on the analytical side of things versus design. And so I saw a job posting to design, build, and test oceanographic hardware, and I applied and got that job. And um, I also figured. It would allow me to kind of explore, you know, the idea of getting into more of a scientific field versus, you know, aerospace engineering.
0: And the stuff that you were building is is quite cool. It's a mm-hmm. submersible? Is that yeah. what you were so, doing?
1: Yeah, my first project at Woods Hole was working on a major upgrade to the Alvin submersible. It's a human-occupied research submersible that takes um, a pilot and two observers down Uh, Now to 6,500 meters.
0: All right. Mm -hmm. Now you got to work on the design of it. Did you also get to pilot it?
1: Um, I had one dive in the sub during sea trials. But, yeah, I was a mechanical engineer. I started as a mechanical engineer, so, um, you know, designing various mechanical components and subsystems. And then I also supported the Navy certification Mm. of the submersible and then also uh, some of the systems engineering and, uh, like, uh, weight and balance and things like that
0: you reflect on that time what's something that stands out to you is it is it the experience of actually piloting the submersible or is there some something else that sort of when you reflect on that time what you know a, a highlight from that
1: experience um so i mean diving in the sub was was awesome, was amazing it's and gotta be, yeah. um but i think really like my main the most memorable part of that project was just the final few months when we were putting the sub back together. Hmm. And it was just how, uh, just the experience of like, it was a relatively small team, you know, maybe 20 people in all, and everyone was working really hard and, you know, working long days and weekends to put the sub together. And so just kind of that experience of like a small team coming together to do something really big and how rewarding that was, um, that stuck with me. And I, you know, sought that out again and again.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. That idea of starting something, and not only that, but completing it—that mm-hmm. seeing the the fruits of your efforts come to life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Where did um, where did the idea? Uh, it seemed, I guess you know you talked about in the beginning about how you had this idea of an astronaut from I think you said first grade mm-hmm. that that was there was I guess that maybe that was with you throughout all of these experiences was. Hey, maybe I can still be an astronaut. Was it was it with you through this through this journey of yours?
1: I started applying to be an astronaut as soon as it was realistic for me. Um, the first time I applied was in for the 20 I guess it was the 2009 class when I was still in grad school. Really? And so if you added up all of my work experience and internships, which I don't think is really how they but kept, you know, career experience I like barely made the Barely met the minimum qualifications, so I didn't hear anything back from that one. And then I applied again in 2013, and then finally in 20 for the seven 2017 class,
0: where you got selected, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. what was that? Uh, tell me about the call for you.
1: Um, I was had just run home for lunch one day and um, knew they were going to be calling all of us, um, but didn't know when, you know, on that day. And so, I just got the phone call while I was at home for lunch. <laughs> I, th- I think I was pretty shocked. <laughs> um like yeah it was it was very unexpected really? even though i knew it was possible um i think i just said wow or something like that <laughs> <laughs> wow
0: <laughs> who was the first person <laughs> you told
1: um i so that that was an awesome part of it um as soon as i hung up i called each of my family members in turn and got to share the news with them and that was really special just because they'd been there you know, my whole life listening to me talk about being an astronaut, so it was pretty cool to get to tell them that I had just gotten invited to be one.
0: Wow, I remember <laughs> um, working on um, your announcement of the 2017 mm-hmm. class, and we all divvied up because it was it, it was a decent class. I think it was 12 that was selected. If I'm not mistaken, I forget mm-hmm. the turtles. It, um, it was it was up there, but mm-hmm. uh, we all divided up. Um, the the roles of in within our office within P A O of getting to talk with certain individuals and I got to talk with you mm-hmm. and with um, uh, Jessica Watkins were the two that I got to uh, talk to and you guys were both just really like, excited <laughs> and just it was it was a really cool experience to get to to onboard you and and it was um, we really went all out for the 2017 class we bought brought you no, onto stage big- and you were wearing the blue <laughs> flight suit you got to wave I mean. Reflecting on that, on that whole experience, it just um, you know, was it was it
1: surreal? Yeah, that's actually the word I was going to use. Was yeah. surreal? Yeah. yeah, I had not been a part of something like that before, and I don't think mo- you know most of us hadn't. I think, and so it was it was pretty surreal.
0: When you uh, were talking and and getting to know your fellow classmates, <clears throat> um, I think one of the things that came that became apparent to me as I was talking with you and with with everybody is. You guys seem to get along like almost instantly, mm-hmm. and I think that carried on for the for the following years through training as an astronaut candidate, through the different assignments that you guys have been getting, and actual space flights to the International Space Station. Mm-hmm. You have you guys maintained that close total relationship?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Getting, I mean, I think we hit it off really well, but just those two years of being together, like being a part of the Turtles, is one of the best experiences I think of my career and my life like it's just a really special group of people and like I don't see that changing throughout our careers that's awesome Um, pretty tight bonds between all of us
0: so astronaut candidate training Mm -hmm. you start you get you get thrown right into it what are some of the first uh, things that you're doing Mm -hmm. your first experiences training to be an astronaut getting ready for really what is what we're going to be talking about here which is your first space flight
1: Um, Yeah, so training, like just the initial two years of ASCAN um, is kind of, I think, commonly described as drinking out of a fire hose, which is very true. Um, We start um, with a lot of briefings, and then we start our technical training, uh, which is everything from spacewalk training to space station systems training, robotics, Russian language, um, learning how to fly the T-38 jets, um, and then a slew of other things that you might you know, not think of as being astronaut skills, but like medical training and geology training, biology, like all the different skills that we use on Space Station.
0: And so, yeah, drinking out of a fire hose because you had a lot to learn in a really mm-hmm. short amount of time. After astronaut candidate training, what were some of the things that you were thrown into?
1: Yeah, so we graduated in 2020, mm-hmm. January of 2020, uh, right before the world changed. <laughs> That's right,
0: right before COVID.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so I, my first job after ASCAN was being the— Um, CB increment lead. So I was the astronaut office representative to the ISS program um, for one expedition. So it was expedition 62 and then the first part of expedition 63. Um, So that was really neat, um, because I got to know a lot of the flight directors and flight controllers um, and international space station program leadership through that, through that job, and also just got a really good understanding of how the space station program works. Um, like what happens in the background to mm-hmm. make a successful day on orbit? Awesome. Um, and so that was a really I think that will be a really helpful insight, you know once I'm on orbit myself to kind of understand what happens when a crew you know calls down with a question, or you know when we're asked to do something, we might not understand everything that went into that request. Um,
0: yeah, that's going to help because you're yeah. the, you you were working with the astronauts who are on the mm-hmm. ISS, but now you knowing that whole back channel of the decisions that are made, the conversations that are ha- had, it just gives you a better understanding of whenever you need to call down and ask for something or request yeah. something, you know, you know what's happening.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and also just a, it was a great opportunity to get to meet a lot of the team, you know, the flight control team that supports us, and so yeah. I'm excited to be on orbit, and you know. Look at the flight control, ro- like the mission control roster and, you know, see who's on console and stuff. And have a lot of friends there. <laughs> That's yeah. good.
0: That's good. That rapport is going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, now, when you got assigned to fly on the Soyuz to the mm-hmm. International Space Station, what was that moment like for you?
1: Um, so after I was the increment lead... Um, I actually went, moved to Russia for a year to be the director of operations in Star City. So I was the kind of NASA representative in our, in our training office there. And so I was actually living in Star City when I got assigned to my space flight, All right. um, which was great because I love living in Star City and working with everybody over there. And so um, I ended up actually just staying an additional nine weeks to start my Soyuz training. Oh yeah, yeah, you just blended right I just into rolled yeah. right into training there. Yeah, <laughs> It was perfect. That's great.
0: So yeah, you're 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 starting to train for Soyuz. Uh, you know, a lot of things are in Cyrillic. You've uh, mentioned Russian language mm-hmm. training to yep. uh, you know as an astronaut candidate, but you're getting thrown into this. What was the, what was the Soyuz training like?
1: Um, Soyuz training. So we start over there by studying the individual systems in okay. detail. Um, so we have classes on each of the systems of the spacecraft, and then uh, we have usually exams on each system, and then that kind of rolls into starting sims. Okay. Um, so that's where we're in the simulator, and we're working through procedures from launch all the way till docking, and then likewise from undock all the way to landing. Um, and so I, I really love that like I loved getting to dig into each of the systems on soyuz and really understand them and that was helpful you know, obviously later in sims when we're getting failures thrown at us and having a good understanding of the systems is is pretty key
0: and uh, you know a huge component of this is not only the spacecraft that you're going to be flying to Mm -hmm. get up to the orbiting lab, but life on the orbiting lab itself. Yes. You got all the training for the systems on there. You're going to be conducting research. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to think about spacewalks. You got all these different things that you're you're working on and you have to be prepared for. So what was that training like?
1: Yeah. So um, at the same time, I started training on the Russian segment, um, space station systems. And then once I got back to the United States, I picked back up um, with ISS systems training here, and then also, of course, making trips to Germany and Japan, mm-hmm. and up to Canada to uh, learn about the Japanese module and the ESA module, and and learn how to operate the Canada arm.
0: Do you feel ready? And so,
1: yeah, I do
0: <laughs> more than ready. I, Let's go. Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> that is so yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> now I'm sure you've had you've gotten to chat with some folks who have been on the space station, fellow turtles. You mm-hmm. know anyone else in the astronaut corps? Um, get some advice about being as successful as possible mm-hmm. as an expedition crew member. What was what's some of the pieces of advice that really stand out to you that uh, you you sort of captured and think about?
1: Yeah, I think mostly it's just um, kind of preparing myself mentally for. Um, The long days that we're going to work and the, you know, challenges and frustrations that can come up when you're just when you're working in a remote environment like that. And I've had that experience before. And um, but it's just kind of that that expectation, like anticipation that, yeah, there's going to be times when, you know, you might mess something up and you just have to let let it, you know, fix it, let it roll off and like keep going about your day Um, and just work, you know, working with the ground teams, working with your crewmates and just kind of anticipating some of those some of those challenges Mm -hmm.
0: now on top of thinking about the other side of things and Mm -hmm. not away from the challenges is more of the the personal goals right now of course as a as an expedition crew member you have your objectives you got to conduct the science you got to maintain the international space station you've been training a lot and you've already mentioned you feel really ready as you know if you're going to spend 6 months in space i'm sure you've been dreaming about this since you know first grade yes. uh, uh, this is this is something you have to have just sort of some sort of personal expectation and personal goal of what you want to experience the time you want to dedicate and thinking about in space have you put some thought into that
1: um yeah i mean at at kind of the most base, basic level my goals are just to do a good job like do good science sure. um take care of space station Uh, and then also to have really good relationships. You know, I'm looking forward to building those relationships with my crewmates and sharing that experience with them, and then also working with everyone on the ground and kind of, you know, building that dynamic with the ground as well. Um, Personally, I'm really excited just to get to space and look back at Earth for the first time from that perspective, and I'm also really excited to see Space Station, like, in person. Uh, Like, look out the window of the Soyuz spacecraft and, like, see a solar array right next to me. Like, it's hard to imagine that that's actually going to be reality in a couple months here. Um, And I'm just really excited to see the lab. Um, I'm also really excited to get on board and start learning how to live and work in a three-dimensional environment. Like, I think it'll just be really interesting to see how my body adapts and how my mind adapts to that kind of foreign environment where there's really no up or down and— can fly around (laughs) (laughs) that's yeah i think
0: about it sometimes too i've uh, you you work in this in this uh business for for a while and you start having like dreams i don't know if you've had this but i've definitely had a space station dream or two (laughs) of actually floating and doing things i put on the vr and i think yeah it's just you like you just imagine it you try to immerse yourself in the moment and uh you think about the stories that people share about working on, like you say, the three three dimensions, mm-hmm. working on one side of the space station and then flipping your whole body to a brand new perspective and working on what looks like the wall. Mm-hmm. But it's just a new – it's just a new interface. It's just a new th- – and it's just a new thing.
1: Yeah, totally. And we we spend so much time in the mock-ups here training like in over in Building 9. That you kind of get used to like, well, this is up and this is down. Right. You just, you're in there every day and you're you're looking at everything from that point of view. So it'll be, I think, interesting to get on space station and like suddenly that doesn't have to be up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That angle that you couldn't
0: get from from when it was right side up on the earth. You could just flip (laughs) upside down and try it from a different angle. Uh Uh-huh. Very cool. Um, now what's next for you? We're, we're recording this in June. And Mm -hmm. so you have, uh, you know, leading up to your, to your launch, you have a couple of things to really make sure that you're ready for that moment. What's next for you?
1: Yeah. So next week I go back to Russia for two weeks, um, to do, and that will mostly just be doing a couple of Soyuz Sims, um, just refresh systems, refreshers. Okay. And then I'll come back and that's, Will be a very busy month, the month of July, because I'll leave again for Russia in early August to get ready for launch. Um, but in July, when I come back, it will be—it's a lot of medical. Um, mm. uh, you know, just I—I'm part of a research study called Cipher. That's this like very comprehensive um, study. I'm the first participant, actually. All right. Um, and so it's super interesting. They're study studying like all aspects of um, physiology, like. Uh, on how the space environment impacts, you know, the human body. And so there's a lot of studies and, you know, tests leading up to that or for that leading up to my launch. Um, so I'll be doing a lot of that. Um, I have, I'll have i be in the MBL doing spacewalk training mm-hmm. uh, with Jasmine and Andy, two of my crewmates on board. So we'll be mm-hmm. uh, looking at some of the um, procedures and work that we might be doing on spacewalks. For the upcoming mission mm-hmm. and yeah just getting ready to taking care of all the little things to get ready to go
0: very exciting yeah you're yeah. going to be flying with jasmine mcbelli M- M- andy Mogensen. i mean mm-hmm. the, the crew seven astronauts as well i mean you get your russian cosmonauts um that, yeah. that you're going to actually be flying with and i'm sure you develop their relationship with but you're going to be up there for with quite a number of people
1: yeah crew seven and crew eight crew so. seven and
0: crew eight yes that's, that's great yeah uh, Laurel, this has been awesome to to talk to you. I, I wish you all the best for um, for for this upcoming expedition and and your launch to the International Space Station. and I hope you get to experience all the things that you've been wanting to experience since dreaming about this um, for, in, as, as a little girl. And Thank now you. you get to now you get to actually live it. Um, it's just a really exciting time. Thank you. This is awesome. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate your time and uh, talk with me today.
1: Thanks for having me. I used to go ahead. Stop of the space shuttle. Roger, zero G, and I feel fine. has cleared the
0: dock. Became a for all mankind. It's
1: actually a huge honor to break a record like this. Not because
0: they are easy, but because they are hard. Welcome to space. Hey, thanks for sticking around. I really had fun talking with Laura O'Hara today ahead of her mission. I really hope you learned something and are going to enjoy her mission aboard the International Space Station. Check out nasa.gov slash ISS for the latest happening on board the International Space Station. Uh, we have many NASA podcasts uh, across the agency. Then you can check out all of them at nasa.gov slash podcasts. That's where you can also find us and our many episodes that we have. You can listen to them in no particular order. In fact, if you go to our website, we actually have a collection of all the astronauts we've talked to over the years. So you can listen to Laurel's episode as well as the many others we've had since we started in 2017. If you want to talk to us on social media, we're on the NASA Johnson Space Center pages of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can use the hashtag AskNASA on your favorite platforms to submit an idea for the show. Just make sure it's to mention it's for us. At Houston, we have a podcast. This episode was recorded on June 7th, 2023. Thanks to Will Flato, Pat Ryan, Justin Herring, Heidi Lavelle, Abby Graff, Belinda Polito, and Jane Jennings. And of course, thanks again to Laurel O'Hara for taking the time to come on the show give us a rating and feedback on whatever platform you're listening to us on and tell us what you think of our podcast. We'll be back next week.